How's it going, everyone? This is Jason Navarro. You're listening to Tongues Out Podcast, and let's continue our conversation about whether we are alone in this universe or not. Um, so, uh, two um, corrections I want to I want to make. I think the first I'll say that I th- I'm not entirely sure, but I believe I was calling the the program that I'm going to be talking about today a hip. It wasn't a hip. It was a tip, so A A T I P, um, and it stands for the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. And the second correction was the total amount of money funded to this project. I said a hundred million. It was actually a lot less than that. <laughs> it was twenty-two million dollars over the span of five years. And so, yeah, that is absolutely nothing. Yet all the information they gathered with just that little bit of money is pretty intense. So, okay, let's let's jump right into a tip. So yesterday, uh, like I, I said, probably yesterday's podcast is probably going to be my favorite of all of this week's uh, conversation about just talking about this specific subject. Uh, I talked about um, um, Lonnie Samora and. Uh, Commander Fravor, two different people from two different time periods that had essentially seen the exact, or from what their descriptions described it as, the exact same kind of craft. Uh, I'm not going to call it an alien craft because we don't know who's operating the vehicle. Lonnie Samora saw uh, a little bit more detail since he was the closest to this craft at the time in, in the early 60s. And he described seeing two individuals standing outside the craft when he had first seen it and nothing looked special to them outside the fact that they were human in, in nature, covered in white coveralls, but a little bit smaller than the average man. So he described them as either small people or not like, not like midget or, you know, that size, but just like small adults or, or, or tall, tall teenagers pretty much. And, um, and then he's described the craft pretty much exactly the same that Commander Fravor did on the day that he saw it off the coast of, of the Western, uh, Western coast of the United States off in the Pacific in his jet when he was flying. And so if you haven't had a chance to listen to that podcast, I would definitely listen to that one, probably more than any of the other ones. Today's is going to be my second favorite. Um, so I didn't know about this specific program until actually, uh, when did I hear about this? It was probably two years ago. I think I saw a article in, I think it was ABC news at the time that I saw that the New York times had come out with a, um, an article describing a research and and disclosure that they um, discovered a, a, a secret but unclassified program, but it wasn't publicized, that essentially was funded by the uh, senator from here in Nevada um, at the time in, when was this? In 2007, the program began, began in 2007, and like I said, was funded for five years until 2000, 2012. And it, at the time, Senator Harry Reid was the head of the Senate Majority or he was the Senate majority leader. And so what that means is that whatever political party is, has the majority in the Senate, 
they have a person that is the leader that's representative of that party and and makes different decisions and has uh, a lot of of commanding presence in in the senate and so harry reed was that guy during that time period and so um he was always fascinated by unidentified flying objects and just stories of of different ufos and so he was able to negotiate funding for this program and again this program was called atip the advanced aerospace threat identification program started in 2007 and essentially it was put in place to and, and this is coming from them was an unclassified but unpublicized investigatory effort funded by the United States government to study unidentified flying objects, UFOs, or unexplained aerial phenomenon, or UAPs. And the program was made finally public in 2017 by the New York Times. Um, And it started, it had its presence in in the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency, or the DIA. Um, and then it was under, I think it was under the Air Force. I believe so. But anyways, um, New York Times got got wind of this. And I'm just going to go over some highlights about it. Like I said, it was $22 million that was funded into it. It um, was put in place to kind of understand just different reportings over the course of the history. The background of it was there were a lot of unexplained instances in uh, multiple different parts of time leading up to 2007 of different unidentified objects above our airspace reported by the military and um, and civilians as well. Some of these were obviously clearly made up or could be argued against, but there were some that had legitimacy to it. So, that's how Senator Harry Reid was able to kind of get this program started because they wanted to go ahead and look into this and see if this was still stuff that was happening in the military. And so, um, you know, it was, it, it did its thing and they researched how many different instances? I think it was. They, they, Funded and published 38 studies and different, uh, they put a lot of theory behind it. They got, they got a lot of civilian scientists and a lot of military individuals and also reporting of uh, during that time period of military personnel that has seen unidentified flying objects or, or UAPs as well. And they, they put all this uh, information together and they came up with multiple different theories to try to explain what had been seen. But some of this stuff was is essentially insane, some of these studies that come out. And so I'm going to talk about that as well. And during, during like the whole process of this being, um, during all of this happening, supposedly the program ended in 2012, but the military had confirmed that actually as early as just two months ago, in June of 2020, um, the Pentagon came out and said that there was a, an existing program similar to ATIP that was called the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force or UAPTF. And um, 
they had acknowledged that this program was reporting after a tip they they continue funding but they renamed the program and this program um on and off was reporting directly to um the senate who was it the senate the united states senate select committee on intelligence so essentially like the the there's committees within congress that are in charge of different aspects of civilian and military uh, landscapes. And so the committee on intelligence essentially is like they're, they're, they're all, they deal with all classified and material that's going on, like classified funding for military programs and stuff like that. It's a, a small group of, of, of senators, both Republican and Democrat that are part of this committee. So it's, it's said that, you know, these, these senators were continuously hearing about different things up until recently, up until like, or it's still being reported out. It's like, it's been confirmed that this program is still in existence. And during the whole time, the whole time, like after the New York times had released that this, this um, program had existed, the Navy and the air force and the Pentagon, they all claimed that all of this stuff, nothing came of it. There was just, a lot of, uh, it was just an interesting program. They didn't really find anything. And um, after multiple Freedom of Information Act requests or FOIA requ- requests, and if you don't know what Freedom of Information is, essentially it was after Nixon, I believe. So after Nixon's uh, impeachment, or not really impeachment, but after he resigned, um, this program was put in place for people that had a legitimate concern about different aspects of government as long as the material wasn't classified they were they were uh there was a program put in place where essentially people could request from the government information pertaining to anything the government was doing as long as it wasn't classified you could submit a freedom of information request to the government and if this information wasn't classified they were supposed to respond to you within, I don't know, like a six-month period. I don't know exactly how long. But it, it's a, a maximum time period. They have to they have to respond to you. They either have to give you supporting information. exactly. So you have to let them know exactly what you want. You can't just put be general. Like, give me everything about Area 51. It has to be, like, specific stuff. But if you can ask for this, this um, specifics, they have to either disclose to you the documentation of what you requested or lead you or confirm but like they have to tell you like you know the program existed but we can't tell you any further so in the pursuit of like all these freedom of information requests that were going uh through after the new york times article they finally came out and admitted you know this is actually um this wasn't just like nothing happened here we go we declassified certain videos that the new york times had caught wind of anyways and those videos are, um, uh, there's three of them. One is the gimbal video. The other one is, uh, there's three big ones. It's the gimbal video, G-I-M-B-A-L video. And I'll link actually the Wikipedia article that go, that shows all three of the videos. There's the gimbal video. There's the go fast video. These are all different time periods as well. 
So the gimbal video is off the East Coast. The go fast, go fast video as as well happened off the East Coast, and then the FLIR video, the F L I R video, actually is what I was talking about. Commander Fravor and when he landed on the ship, and and uh, he was telling like the um, the other people that were taking off and flying away to keep an eye out for something. Like they were going to get sent out to to investigate this craft, and they had an infrared. Uh, device on their jet that Commander Fravor didn't have on his aircraft. This the these people caught like that same day they caught footage of that craft that Commander Fravor saw, and they have video of it. And so that's the FLIR video, so F L I R video. All of these videos got declassified, and supposedly, like some of our senators are claiming that these things that we're seeing are possible technology coming from the Chinese or Russians. I would highly argue against that because if, if so, we better be stressed out because foreign military have technology that just is insane of its capabilities. But even like uh, commander favor was like, there's no way that this is like another country's like military program. It's just, it's insane to even think that it is. Um, and and this is like some of the stuff essentially that we found out in in January of 2019 the um Department of Intelligence uh what is it called again the Department of Intelligence Agency what is that what it is yeah department uh <laughs> the or sorry the Defense Intelligence Agency after so many FOIA requests released the list of the 38 research titles and listen to some of these research titles, ready? One research topic was Traversable Wormholes, Stargates, and Negative Energy, which was led by Eric W. Davis of the Earth Tech International, Inc., which was founded by Harold Pudoff. Um, another project that they were looking into was Invisibility Cloaking, which was headed by a German scientist, Ulf Leinhardt, a professor from Wiseman Institute of Science in Israel. Another one of these titles, Warp Drive, Dark Energy, and the Manipulation of Extra Dimensions. Again, this is coming from the, the government, declassified. Um, you know, they went ahead and released the, the title of these research papers. And this was attributable. The last one I just said, the, the Warp Drive, Dark Energy, and Manipulation of Extra Dimensions. What? Was attributed to theoretical physicist Richard uh, Opsey. Director of the nonprofit Icarus Interstellar. Um, and then there was one other paper that was kind of weird. It was the clinical medical uh, the clinical medical acute and subacute field effects on human dermal and neurological tissues, which was written by Christopher Kit Green, a former CIA agent, forensic forensic uh, clinician, and neuroscientist, who described it as essentially focusing on the neurological and physical injuries that could uh, uh, result from in close encounters to these UAPs. What? How, like, how are we supposed to, these, these studies are insane. Some of these studies. And so, um, multiple uh, senators and the Senate intelligence committee have come out and said that, you know, this stuff that is reported is pretty insane that we should look, um, you know, the public should know a little bit more about what we're what we're being briefed on, 
and we have no idea the source of this technology. And just imagine if the U.S. government and the people that are being told about these observations and told like the classified information and they come out publicly and they say like, hopefully it's the Russians or the Chinese because, you know, either not hopefully, but, you know, it's scary that if they have this technology, it puts them light years ahead of us. But, you know, the other argument is like, hey, this is possibly. um this is possibly like maybe foreign technology that has originated from outside our planet. And I think one of the senators actually claimed in one of the, um, and one of the briefings that they had gotten part of this, like the, the ATIP and then the, 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 the next program, the UATPF program that continued after ATIP, they claimed that we have recovered remnants of these crafts like certain crafts, not the ones that you see in the videos, but like there is a possibility that the U S government has this technology. And so all of this news that started in, in like early 2000 and, or not early 2007, but like 2017, essentially um, from 2017 onward, it's been nothing but almost every single year, like more and more information that has just been released and, and more information that's been confirming this and more information where the government literally at first was claiming that this was absolutely nothing. This is just, you know, too much of a focus. And then they come out and they confirm, Oh, uh, you know, actually a lot of this stuff is true and, and we are looking into this stuff. And he, here's a, here's a timeline of like media reportings, right? So, the program wasn't uh, named specifically, but the leader of the program, uh, Elisando, I think is his name, was quoted in 2017 as claiming that, you know, this is a program that does exist. He um, he reported this to the Washington Post, Political, and the New York Times in, in December of 2017. That's when this information got released. Um. And those those videos I was telling you about that they got reported in a different uh, news articles. So uh, I guess the New York Times got an article, Washington Post got an article, and Politico got a different article with a different video. Two years later, on the twenty second of May in two thousand nineteen, Pentagon spokesman Christopher Sherwood finally confirmed to the New York Post that the program did pursue research and investigation into unidentified aerial phenomena. Dispelling rumors that the program only focused on theoretical physics. On the 26th of May, 2019, the New York Times reported that the U.S. Navy pilots fully briefed ATIP about encounters they had had with unexplained objects during the summer of 2014 to March 2015 while flying high at high altitudes off the east coast of the United States. Um... June 1st, 2019, The uh, Intercept published an article with an excerpt from an email obtained via a FOIA request. The excerpt called into question Elizondo's position at ATIP. Yes, ATIP existed, and it did pursue research and investigation on unidentified aerial phenomena. But they, they wouldn't confirm if this guy was the leader of ATIP, even though he was the one that you know disclosed that this program did exist. And if it wasn't for him, no one would have known about it in the first place. 
But there are multiple people that had worked in the government that had claimed to have known that he was a part of it, but maybe not a leader of it. But either way, I mean, if you're a part of the program, you're, you're probably knowing what's going on. And especially if you released this information, you had to have known something. February 2020, Popular Mechanics article by a UFO investigative writer and retired police lieutenant Tim McMillan said the Big uh, Bigelow Aerospace Advanced Space Studies, BAASS, was contracted under the auspice of ATIP program to study UFO reports and purported paranormal phenomena. According to Stephen Aftergood, director for the Federation of American Scientists Project on Government Secrecy, the AAWSAP contract sounds like it was a good deal for the contractor, but it would be hard to argue that either the military or the public got their money's worth. And on July 23rd, 2020, the New York Times reported that while former Senator Harry Reid believed that the crashes of objects of unknown origin may have occurred and that retrieved materials should be studied, he did not say that crashes had occurred and that retrieved materials had been studied secretly for decades. News reports also repeated a claim made by Eric Davis, a former employee of PUDIF, that an off-world vehicle might be in the position of the U.S. government. So it was reported in July 23rd of 2020. And then that was very recently. And then I I want to say... Um, oh, days... That very recently, I don't know when exactly. Oh, like 11 days ago, the um, Senate, um, the Senate party that's like managing all like the um, intel, like the Senate Intelligence uh, Committee, they went ahead and told the Pentagon that they have 180 days to release. So I'll read this. The U.S. Senate Intelligence Committee addressed activities of UAPTF in June in their Intelligence Authorization Act for fiscal year 2021. This brought the shadowy UFO investigating agency into public view, the Times says. The committee's bill seeks to regulate the tracking, organization, and accessibility of UFO-related information gathered by the task force. This would include the release of public report submitted an unclassified form within 180 days of the bill's en- enactment. So essentially, within the next 180 days from whenever this date was, 11 days ago, so like July 23rd, I think it was. So from July 23rd and 180 days later, it is re- uh, they have to release all non-classified information related to this program and any sightings related to this program. So this is why I I wanted to talk about this in the first place because in the next, you know, six months, we're going to learn a lot more about, I mean, we might not learn a lot of crazy stuff because again, I'm assuming all the really insane stuff is classified, but we're going to learn at least maybe research papers and I don't know, they're probably, they probably gave them the 180 day window, honestly, to probably go and retroactively classify a lot of this work <laughs> so they're probably go, like going frantically right now to like classify a majority of the stuff that they can classify but it is interesting you know honestly whatever they do release it's just going to add more credence to the idea that this isn't bullshit this isn't like for a long time the subject about ufos has always been kind of 
had this really negative stigma or conspiratorial um philo- like perspective to it like if you believed in aliens you must believe in almost everything else that's insane out there which i i don't sign on to i think it's fair to to think that uh, extraterrestrial life can can exist outside of our or you know exist in this universe but if you ask me personally do I think that this is actual life from another planet, intelligent life? Uh, no. And so tomorrow's podcast is going to go into what I think all of this is and what I'm hopeful for what it is. Um, because if it is extraterrestrial life, then that's going to be uh, pretty. That's pretty scary, to be honest. Because if you think about in history, anytime there's in the, they're not invading, but anytime there's a discovering party that comes to a foreign area, the always the discoverer always benefits, and the people being discovered always are you know killed or die of disease or they're just become extinct due to a lot of different reasons but if you look in history almost any time that some civilization has been discovered by another the the entity that's doing the discovering kind of (laughs) the people being discovered kind of lose their history um but so that's why i don't think it's extraterrestrials and again if i if i if it was why are they being sneaky like i don't feel like it makes sense why they would be sneaky why not just like appear and just like land and be like Hey everyone, or, you know, do whatever, whatever they would normally do. Like, why not attack us? Why not, you know, and why only our government knowing of, of this stuff and only, I mean, it makes sense. They have the technology and uh, there are eyewitness reports of this and it's really hard to just have a camera on all the time, but it is weird in the time that we live in nowadays with all this video and all the recordings and everything, like none of the stuff is getting released or maybe the government just gets to it before anyone else can. And so, you know, they, they, they quench it pretty quickly or squ- uh, squash the information pretty quickly. But uh, no, tomorrow I think I'm going to I'm going to talk about, like, honestly, what I think it is. And you might it, it's honestly, it's probably crazier than extraterrestrials, but uh, you'll just have to find out tomorrow. But anyways. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this podcast. Had to happen a little bit later today just because of the fact that I just had a million things I had to do today. But um, yeah, I will catch all of you guys mañana. Peace.